What's good, guys? This week on Studio Talks Unsigned Podcast, we have business owner Cam McCullough. Cam is the founder of the popular event, Duce Palooza. And in this episode, we talk about how he got a start in the entertainment business, how he and his team have been able to expand their event from a local house party to a national mini festival, as well as some amazing personal Jay-Z stories. This episode is extremely important if you're looking to throw your own events, so make sure to check it out. If you're looking for more information on Studio Talk and the tools we offer to help artists and managers grow their career, check us out at studiotalk.co. What's going on, everybody? This is Cameron McCullough. Cam, coolest kid out, founder of Duce Palooza and CEO of The Tenth LLC. Cam, a native New Yorker, jack of all trades, got my start in the entertainment business when I was 17 years old. Um, I used to carry crates for a few DJs at Hot 97. And that's kind of how I got my introduction into quote unquote, the music business. Um, I used to travel to clubs, gigs, uh, the radio station um, with these guys. And just was um, a really cool introductory uh, period for me into the music business. I got to meet people I got to um, kind of learn how things work behind the scenes. Um, didn't get paid a ton of money as no one did back then. But um, from there, I started promoting parties on my own, uh, mainly in college at Buffalo State College. And that for me was kind of just <clears throat> uh, where I really started to kind of hone in on what I wanted to do in life. And granted, it wasn't promoting parties, but I think I got to really know how things work, you know, from how you get people out to once you have people out, how you monetize having people out and then how you build on experience for those same people. Um, so I did promotions uh, all the way through college while studying economics and finance, um, graduated in 2008, the winter of 2008, and <clears throat> then started working for JP Morgan Chase. I worked there for two years. And then um, unceremoniously got fired. So then I went over to Bank of New York Mellon in Wilmington, Delaware. Shout out to Delaware. Um, worst nine months of my life. Um, but that, that was kind of the um, that was kind of the end of the road for me with finance, um, whether it was my decision or not. But um, I just realized that that was no longer for me. So I ended up um, coming back to New York. And I uh, slept on a friend's couch for about seven months and just really was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Took a lot of odd jobs, started bartending, um, you know, got more so back into the business of just being around people. And uh, funny enough, a friend of mine who I went to school with was hiring at Condé Nast and I became uh, an ad operations manager at Condé Nast on a temporary status and kind of worked my way up through the advertising ranks <clears throat> for the next shit, five years and um, ended, ended my quote unquote corporate career at uh, the Daily Beast where I was the national sales director. And that was my last official job uh, before I went out on my own with the 10th LLC, which our main flagship program <clears throat> then and still now was Henny Palooza now uh, Duce Palooza, and that allowed me to go out on my own 
into, um, you know, into managing my own business, which I've now been doing, uh, by the time this airs, it'll have been four years, um, running. So, um, you know, you I'm can't been, say that. You I'm don't know how long we're going to hold it. Might have been five years. Uh, okay. Might, we might get yeah, exactly. this for a little bit. So, okay. Well, as of, as of August of 2019, <laughs> it'll be, um, it'll be four years, man. It's, it's been, it's been a hell of a ride. You know, um, I've, I've learned, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, my entire, I always tell people my entire career, my successes, you know, my failures and everything in between, like my life has been trial and error. So I am in no way, shape or form in my, like an Oracle. Do I like, you know, have foresight, but I, I just have the ability to um, continuously try things over and over again. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. You mentioned the tent. You mentioned DC Kalooza, formerly known as Henny Kalooza. Uh, for the, those out there who might not know, you know, I mean, it's our it's our burden to inform the masses. You yes. know, I'm not sure there are many people who wouldn't know what DC Kalooza is by this time. You just give a a very broad, like top down look at what is DC Kalooza. Sure. For the completely um, uninformed or uninitiated, what what would that what would your catalog explanation of Duce Palooza be? Um, I'd be doing it a disservice by not telling everyone that it started in my house as a house party. Um, but Duce Palooza is now, um, I would consider just a staple in not only urban culture, but American culture in the sense of Duce Palooza pretty much, uh, it didn't revolutionize, but it did change the way that America parties. Uh, we kind of, we, we took the pretentiousness out of partying again, um, because when Duce Palooza came along in 2012, it was very much the club section, bottle popping, wait online for hours if you weren't doing those things um, era. And that just, that just wasn't what um, enticed me and my group of friends. So uh, what we decided to do was throw a game night um, in my house, which um, was kind of like the anti-club where, you know, it's a game night, you know, bring BYOB, come as you are, um, you know, don't come with any expectation other than to have a good time. Right. And, um, you know, thankfully I can say now seven years later that Duce Palooza has now turned into a touring <coughs> uh, mini festival, boutique festival across the country where we've done mm-hmm. – um, upwards of 22 cities we've done um the caribbean we'll be soon uh stretching over into europe and uh hopefully africa and it's somewhat of a cultural phenomenon because up until um we did this it wasn't really anything like like it there wasn't anything of its sort you know we've had like staples in in new york city like venues you know like we had the tunnel you know we've had the legendary 26th street you know 27th street We've had, um, we, you know, we've had like areas or we've had like physical brick and mortar spaces. We haven't really had an experience, you know, outside of, in New York, I would say outside of, you know, the closest thing I can think of where it was like, you know, people coming to something because of the name of the thing was like Freaknik, you know, and I, and I am mm-hmm. way too young to even know, you know, the magnitude of what that was. But just from the stories I would hear, like, that's a, that's the closest thing I can think of in comparison. So but even um, Freaknik, I feel like, was tethered yeah. to an artist. Like, it was Freaknik, exactly. but there was always somebody headlining. There was that piece of it. The thing, the beauty exactly. of Duke Blues is that it has brought the party as the attraction. Yes. And Freaknik didn't travel. 
And I think, um, you know, for, for us, um, so again, it it is kind of unprecedented. It's something that just hasn't been seen. And I say, the reason I say we changed the way America parties is because now what was once seen as kind of, you know, an anomaly or abnormal is kind of becoming the norm in party culture. Now you see a bunch of traveling parties. You even see like brands at the highest level trying to create these quote unquote experiences, you know, in different markets and around the country. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's cool to kind of, um, to know and to say that we were on the forefront of that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's like the roundabout answer of what do say Palooza is, but it's so many things, you know, it's, um, it's a means for friends to do business together. You know, it's a means for people to, it's become a vehicle for people to build careers out of, um, which is dope and which was something that I, I couldn't foresee. So, um, yeah, that that's what Duce Palooza is. So, oh. and you, you know, you previously touched on you guys obviously started out as as Henny Palooza and then made the mm-hmm. the switch to Duce, um, and kind of in that transition that that you know you guys obviously partnering with Rock Nation and and uh, mm-hmm. Lenny Yes and Jay's team. You know, the the events that you guys have thrown have allowed you to connect with Jay a couple of times. Yes. Um, so just looking for a quick little personal story. What's what was like the best moment for you in, in the couple of interactions that you guys have had? And uh, did he give any, any good advice to you? Every interaction with Jay is like just super cool to me because, you know, I had this picture of Jay in my mind forever. Like he's been my best friend essentially since I was <laughs> maybe, maybe 12, you know? For sure. Man. So like, yeah. you know, you know, student, student of his music, student of, you know, his business, just a student of how he's, how he's always carried himself. And, um, you know, the really freaky part for me was that um, when I, you know, when I got to meet him, uh, the first time I got to meet, you would think like the coolest time would be the first time you meet somebody. And to be quite honest, I barely remember what happened the first time we met. Um, <laughs> Just like shell shock at that point. Yeah. yeah, it was like, uh, I mean, I, I was a total dweeb that day. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. It was the uh, Rock Nation brunch. Um, it well, it was in New York when the Grammys were in New York. This was, this was 2018. Um, and you know, I'm there. I was, I was, um, I was the only one there for my team. So I, naturally my anxiety is on a thousand and I'm like totally like the anti-industry dude. So, and that's like the ultimate industry event. So it was like, man, like what, what can I do to just like cut through all this anxiety? And like, naturally it's like, Oh, let's drink. So, you know, I find a few people I know and like, <laughs> like yeah, you know, three, three and a half days later. Yeah. Like, it, which is, it's totally not, it's like the worst thing you could do, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but he's like, uh, so I, I see Lenny and he's like, yo, what's up, man? You good? He's like, oh, I was like, yeah, I'm straight. You know, um, at this point I'm, I'm kind of comfortable in the mix, but yo, you're about to meet Jay. He's like, Jay who? He's like, I was like, Jay Brown? He's like, no, like, Jay-Z. He was like, oh, okay. And like, I, I have way, like, shame on Lenny for not referring to him as Ho. Because it's so <laughs> easy to confuse. There's so many J's in the world. There's, There's one mad like, Jay. He could have handled that yeah. better. He, he kind of said like, you up, right? <laughs> he did. He, he, so, but that's Lenny's style. Like, Lenny will set you up for the wet up all day. But, um, and think it's funny. But so I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool. So I have like, 
like I, I have like do say basically like dripping off of my beard because I'm a mess. So I'm like, all right, let me get myself cleaned up and go over here. So I, I have Jay in my sight line. And by the way, this isn't the coolest story. I'll get to that in like one second. But this is so this is the uncool. I don't know, this story. feels pretty cool. <laughs> this one feels yeah, pretty cool. This is, yeah, definitely. So Jay's in like my sight line, right? And my I've seen him like seventeen times already in the event, but it's like I'm not going over there. I'm not gonna play myself. So, um, or walking, and I, I kid you not, dog, this is like uh, a 50-foot walk, but it feels like the longest walk in eternity. And, and so, like, I'm walking, I'm walking, and Lenny's talking to me, but I'm, I'm starting not to hear what he's saying, and I'm just, like, locked in on Jay. And, like, in my mind, I'm like, don't say anything stupid. Like, don't, don't talk <laughs> over him, you know? Like, just, like, listen, listen, yeah. listen, like, like speak, like speak when a response is like called for, like just all like that, like, yeah. you know, communication 101 shit. And so I get over there and he's like, he's like, Hey man, you know, um, I'm happy you can make it, you know, like just, you know, we're so happy to have you guys, you know, you know, on the team and along, <clears throat> and along for the ride, you know, um, we're really excited that we, you know, we were able to get it done. We know it's taking a little while, but you know, we're just, you know, we're so happy that we got it done. After that, I heard nothing. I was like, <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, Hove is excited to have me. Like, fuck everything else. And like, at, at that point, he's still talking, but it became like, um, you guys, I'm sure you watched The Simpsons. It became like when everybody used to talk to the dog and it would be in mm -hmm. black and white. And like, they're saying fully complete yeah. comprehensive sentences to the dog and he just hears nothing. It's just like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, so I, at that point, I, I go into like my communication survival mode, which is just like responding, which is like, yeah, no doubt. Like, word, that's what's up. <laughs> Thank you. Like, you know, and like, so, so then I, you know, we do like the dap hug thing and I'm just like, this is fucking crazy. So I go into like the only quiet corner in the brunch and I'm like freaking the fuck out. I'm like, yo. I, Rightfully so. I text, yeah, I text, I text my mom like, yo, whole fucks with me. And my mom has no idea what I just said to her. I'm like, yo, whole fucks with me. She's like, who, who is whole? I'm like, Jay, mom. She's like, oh, oh, Jay-Z. She's like, oh, okay. So you should have told her that you meant Jay. You should have yeah, told her exactly, Jay fucks with exactly, you. So that's exactly. She, she would have known. She would have known. <laughs> so, so, yeah, totally uncool of me, um, which is like, totally just uncharacteristic of me. But then um, the actual, the coolest, the coolest moment me and him have shared to this point was um, we did a, a party for them. And, um, you know, it was super calm, chill. Uh, and um, I'm still like on like worker mode, like just like, yo, is everything all right? Like, are we doing a good job? And like all that shit. And Jay's like, man, have a drink. He's like, all right. So then, like, I'm drinking with Jay, and um, he's like, like, I forgot what song came on, but it was like some, it was like some old, like some dancing shit, and he starts like busting a move, and like my face is kind of like, what the fuck, <laughs> and he goes like, yo, you didn't know I had that, did you? And I was like. No, Hove, I didn't know you had that. Like, <laughs> like I actually still know nothing about you. <laughs> so then, 
<laughs> so then we, 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 we said like a hearty laugh and um, he, he grabs me on the shoulder and he's like, yo man, like, I just want to let you know that like what you guys are doing, it's like, it's unprecedented, but it's culture. And he's like, as long as you guys, you know, stay true to yourselves and stay rooted in the culture, you're going to win forever. And I was mm-hmm. like, awesome. Like, thanks, man. And then he was like, no, like, seriously, we're, we're, we're just getting started. And I was like, okay. And, um, and yeah, just like one of those, one of those moments in my life, I'll probably never forget. Um, Definitely. And you know, you know, it's like, it's for someone so powerful, it's, it's literally 15 seconds of his time. Right. That, um, you know, that's something that I'll remember for the, you know, for the rest of my life. And like every, every time I see him, it's always peace. Like, it's like an old friend. Like he, he just makes you feel like that every time every time you see him it's just like yo man what's good you good everything good uh you know we talk we laugh and then it's just like you know it's, it's just peace and like you wouldn't expect that from someone like that but then again it's like why wouldn't he be like that you know like that's kind of what's made him who he is you know it's just yeah. like that 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 ability to just be you know real and to be and to be related he's human he's just really fucking good at everything yeah. he does yeah exactly exactly yeah and yeah I, just I, I, and to to the human aspect too, I think it's also just like humility as well. Like he really mm-hmm. understands like where he came from, and it mm-hmm. and like again, you know, this is all from afar. Much like you know, you were saying previously, you know how how you were initially. Mm-hmm. It's like that same exact thing, but you can you you see it, you know, and just the mm-hmm. way that he talks to people, the stories like this that you hear from everyone, where it's just like, yeah, he was just like a good dude. I don't know if you guys remember that video a few years back when they opened up the Barclays Center and he went on the subway ride yep. out to Brooklyn to do that shit. Like, he was just on the train, just being a regular dude, talking to that woman who had no idea who he was until it kind of clicked. And it was like, you can see it in those moments that he's just like, seems like a nice guy who genu- genuinely cares about people. Yeah, 100%. He's just, yeah. he's just a human, man. And he, he um, he's one of those people who just like, you know, he, he very much is aware, um, not only self-aware, but just aware of what's, what's happening around him. And right. I think like that's just something that is, you know, just, just, it's, it's invaluable to have, um, especially, you know, the higher you climb and the more and more you experience, like just being able to still have that, um, that touch into reality, um, Absolutely. is dope. It's imperative to stay grounded. The, I mean, yep. especially the higher you get. And the 100%. more it grows and the more it, and I mean, I've, I've, you've certainly shown that, like you've shown and yeah. like just the entire sensibility around you say Palooza and what the tent touches, like there's always that the beauty of all the events is that it feels like some shit where it's just like, you know what? It's just a good ass party. Like there's nothing pretentious yeah. about it. There's no yeah. madness about it. Um, and you, you mentioned the thing that's been kind of universal throughout is the throwing it with friends. Um, yep. How did you sharpen the idea around that and sharpen the idea around you say Palooza to get to the next level, to get to the next stage of actually like just a house party to, you know, just a couple of like we've we've been in the gallery, we've seen the yeah. like we've seen like the smaller venues, we've been in the frat houses. How do you go from those places to getting venues, booking talents for like how do you get to that the festival space truly? Like it, that's yeah. what it is now. It's a pop up festival. How do you, how does that transition happen? Yeah, so I think um, what was key for us in just, um, in just building, building this thing, right? Like I learned a very uh, good lesson when I was working in advertising 
which um, my boss actually said it to me um, because, you know, we're, we're like racking our brains around like ad campaigns and like what kind of stories you want to tell. And he literally was like, guys, we're overcomplicating all of this. Like what we're not even studying the people that we're trying to, you know, sell to. And he's like, the consumer will always tell you what they want. And they'll always like kind of give you the blueprint of what to do for them. It's just up to you to execute it. So for me with Palooza, yes, we started in my house and then we went to an art gallery and then we went to the frat house. And uh, what we kind of saw with that was there was room for it to grow, but in order for it to grow, it just had to, it had to become one more organized and um, we had to, we had to get more space. So immediately I just thought of like, where could we take this and, you know, kind of keep the integrity of the house party, the BYOB feel and, um, you know, just, and just, but, but grow it. And at the time, Tammany Hall, God bless them, RIP Tammany Hall was still open. And uh, a friend of ours was the GM and she was down. She was, she had came to two of them and she was like, no, this is, this is phenomenal. Like, we kind of aren't doing things by the books at this point because they were closing pretty soon anyway. And she was like, we can, um, yeah, we'll, we'll house your Henny Palooza party cam. And um, we did Tammany Hall. And I was able just to see an entirely different party. But it's like, it still had all of the elements of the house party. It still had all the elements that we had kind of like already instilled within the first year but it was better. Like we had a stage, you know, we had um, a setup where it, it actually felt like a show, you know, even more so than a party. And um, what happened with that was a lot of other people noticed that as well. So um, up until then, I was kind of doing the majority of the legwork logistically and operationally myself. And uh, my, now, my now partner, Benner, uh, he took notice of that. And was just like, hey, man, you know, like, this is kind of what I do, you know, whenever the time is right for you, if you need help, you know, I'm here. And I was like, yeah, you know, no doubt. Like, I, I didn't I didn't think much of it at the time because I was just like, you know, I was still kind of in the thick of it and just really having fun still doing what I was doing. And not because I think at that point when you're so deep in it, you kind of don't even really know what you need. Right. And, um, that was a, that was a big thing for me. So I think we did, we did another one in Tammany and that one was like hectic. So I was like, man, like, it would be really great if I had someone to just like, you know, deal with straight up like venue stuff and I could go and like do what I do, which is like, you know, host and be like, you know, be like the, the face of the, the event and just make sure everyone's having a good time and do that stuff. So, um, that's when I decided to bring Benner in and, the blessing with that, that I didn't even know was like Benner already had just ideas and concepts around just like stuff we could be doing better and differently. And he had relationships with uh, music venues because he, he worked in the music industry. So he was used to like booking shows and doing these things. So he had relationships that I didn't have. And uh, he was able to get us into uh, the Wiccan well in, uh, in Brooklyn, which was where, uh, most people would tell you like the party took off and um, and yeah, I think so for us, it was kind of like, we just, we listened to the consumer at every turn. Like I would, I would feverishly be in like the Twitter and like just comments and like at that time shit, still Facebook 
of just like what people were saying about the party, what, what we did right, what we could have done better, what they loved, what they didn't love. And, you know, and people, thankfully, because it was something that kind of started with the people and grassroots, people were not like bashful about being just brutally honest about what they felt. And, you know, thankfully for us, 90% of that was positive. But, you know, even the 10% that wasn't, we worked on it and just, you know, and how to make it better. So at each step, we were able to like just vastly improve the party. And like, that's why like each one, even though it still felt the same, they felt somewhat different when they, because they felt, they felt elevated. They felt better. Like each time you've come, you felt like something was better than the last time you came. And I think that was a key for us because, again, we didn't see this growing into a festival. You know, we didn't see this even going to this space that it's in now. But, um, you know, it's just been kind of, like I said, trial and error. And, like, we, what we've done that's worked, we've continued to do. And the things that haven't worked, we've kind of just, you know, supplemented them. So um, I don't know if that's uh, the most thorough answer to your question, but that's kind of how we've gotten here. Was, no, I, I, I think that's that, the journey. That, okay. Yeah. And, and then I think kind of encapsulated in that obviously is, is the branding piece to, you know, to your yep. point at each event, you guys tried to up the last one. And I think yep. one of the ways that you guys have done that is just and something that's super basic that sometimes people often overlook, but you guys like made the flyer part of what, the uh, the next event announcement was. And I think that yep. was super clever. And, and you guys leaned into it. You know, it's like kind of funny that like you guys yep. implement the bottle into it in very unique ways. So why do you think that that was important? You know, was that like an idea that you guys had from the jump? Like, yo, we're going to redo, you know, if we're going to revolutionize parties, we're going to revolutionize the flyer too and kind of bring that yeah. back so that it can have an impact. Or was it just like something that happened naturally? It was it was kind of just true to like how all of this stuff is. It was just something I thought was cool at the time. And it was, it was the Tammany hall party. As a matter of fact, it was super bowl weekend when the super bowl was in New York. So I think that was 2013. Yep. Uh, or was that 2014? Yeah. What, whatever the Seahawks uh, kicked the Broncos ass, but the super bowl <laughs> yeah. was in um, the super bowl was in New York. We had the Tammany hall party that Saturday during the day. And I had just met Peach at um mm. at a uh, a hashtag lunch bag and you know he was like i i know i knew who he was obviously from his like photoshop stuff and like instagram and i was like hey man do you make flyers and he was like i've never you know i've never really tried i was like okay let me think of something that he's he like he, he photoshops himself into like these like pictures right like these like iconic like cultural pictures he kind of yeah. just like places himself in them so i was like all right like, yeah, you think you could put a Hennessy bottle on like a kickoff tee and like put some snow around it? And he was like cracking up. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, awesome. I was like, yeah, and I'll, I'll send you like the details for the party and that can just be like, and that was our very first like flyer that we did. And nice. people lost their minds, you know? Uh, and so I was like, oh shit, this is cool. But that wasn't the marketing strategy, right? But it turned, it turned out that that's, like people just identify with it. So then like the next one, we did like a surprise, we did a surprise uh, pop-up at Tammany. And I was like, yo, why don't you do like a, a gift like that just opens up and it's a bottle of Hennessy. And he was like, that's, that's genius. 
So I'll, I'll take credit for the very first two genius flyers that we did. <laughs> um, I didn't have much to contribute to the creative process after that. But um, what we found with that is just like, man, this gives it just kind of another layer, right? Like beyond just the Hennessy and chicken and the good time, there's like a creative aspect to it that, um, that people identify with too. Like people just appreciated that. So it's like, oh, let's, mm -hmm. yeah, let's do more of that. So, and like, and that's when Peach kind of just became our graphic guy and he would right. come up with concepts and we would just run with them. And like, so then we would go to just different, um, you know, different venues, different parties, different, excuse me, different cities. And we would just do themed things around a Hennessy bottle. So it's like, yo, what's your most famous landmark Houston word? We're going to turn that into a Hennessy bottle. And right. people just thought, people thought it was hilarious. And what, what ends up happening is that just gets people talking. And the more and more people talk about it, the more interest you get, like, yo, what the fuck is this? And then when people start to like discover what it actually is, it's like, oh my God, this is so dope. And that's, that's kind of what the marketing plan, you know, became. And, you know, we were able to do it for a pretty long time until, you know, we started running out of monuments to turn into Hennessy bottles. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, like, like no, no offense to like, you know, the Detroits of the world, but you know, four times in Detroit, it's like, how much shit can you turn into a Hennessy bottle at this point? Like, yeah. it will just be yeah. like, you know, you're turning, you're, you're turning models the, of Chevrolet. Right. Right. You know, you're, you're turning, <laughs> you're turning the Coney, the Coney Island hot dog, which is already, you know, like we, and we've already, we've, we've gotten a lot of, um, a lot of references to like really bad, uh, you know, pardon penis jokes, you know, because of the shape of the bottle. <laughs> So we were starting to turn these things into that. People were like, all right, man. And, you know, it kind of ran its course. But then, yep. um, so like, even like this year, we were like, yeah, we can't keep doing that. What can we do? We're like, yeah, we're a party driven in music. Why don't we recreate iconic, you know, iconic hip hop album covers? And, um, and you know, pretty much everywhere we, we're going has like a, a, a pretty robust hip hop scene. So we can like, you know, do that. And those have gone over swimmingly. So I think for us, it's just like, at this point, seven years in, you kind of, uh, you, you kind of really have to think outside of the box as far as like new ways to excite people and new ways to market. And I think that then it goes back to just listening to the people. And like, when we, cause we kind of just, you know, tease the idea out there like, yeah, we want to do, um, we want to do album covers. Like what album covers would you like to see us recreate? Because at this point, people kind of view Peach as an artist. It's like, you'll recreate this for me kind of thing. Right. And Peach and, and Peach is kind of like, you know, just own that whole part of the creative process. And people love it now. Like, oh, when you come to this city, you should do this album. When you come to this city, you should do this album. And that's how we like, that, that was kind of like our telltale that what we were doing, you know, was working. You, you talk about the transition from like just going from the monuments to like finding the iconic album covers and the way that the promotion for the party has changed from the outside mm -hmm. looking in just because like, I, I mean, I'm, we are obviously in a few group chats and texts together. Mm -hmm. um, like, so I get that part of it and understand like the methodology behind it, but there's a big public perception that you guys switched mm -hmm. up due to imitation and more and more parties coming along and kind of completely stealing the ideas around the creative or outright mm -hmm. just, 
utilizing shit that they've seen before. Like in the name. So, <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, that, that as well. Um, so let's call that influence. Let's let's say that yeah. you, you influence and that, that imitation is a, a form of that influence um, mm-hmm. and a form of that impact. Uh, how do you think, in, in your estimation, how do you think Juice Palooza impacts culture and where do you see it growing from here? And more than that, uh, what advice do you have for people that are looking to impact their own segments of culture outside of stealing, you know, your shit? And how <laughs> yeah. can they best do that? Yeah, I think um, Duce Palooza has, has influenced culture in a very unique way. Um, just because, um, you know, again, it's something that hasn't, hadn't been done up until this point. So I think um, at first it was hard for a lot of people to really, you know, understand what it was and like kind of what the sauce was behind it. And um, like I always tell people like Duce Palooza is, um, is the sum of its parts, right? So the, I think that we're a thought leader in the culture and us kind of being the first to, to, doing, to be doing what we were doing. Um, you have to expect for people to try to emulate, you know, or just kind of like downright imitate. So for us, I think, um, you know, whereas that it does get annoying at times, but it is still um, super motivational to like stay ahead of the curve because at that point it's like, yeah, we can keep, you know, you guys can keep, you know, trying to do what we do or emulate what we do. We'll just be on to the next, you know, good, good idea or the next genius idea because we're not afraid to try shit, you know? And I think that, um, that would be my advice also to, you know, the, the next group that that's, that's coming up and that's trying to, you know, influence their pockets of culture and, you know, be thought leaders in their own right is just try different shit, man. Like you, like most people have like a core group that they're surrounded by, whether they be friends, colleagues, peers. And I think it's just important to do what's cool to you. And what you'll discover is that more times than not, it's cool to a lot of other people too. Um, and I think for us, like, like I said, like we started off in my house, it was just, you know, bring Hennessy, bring chicken. And what did we discover? Oh man, like 90% of the world people loves love Hennessy and chicken. chicken. <laughs> like, man, you know, but, but that, I don't think you can set out with the plan of shifting culture, right? You can't, your, your plan can't be, oh, I'm going to change, you know, the way America parties. It just mm-hmm. kind of has to happen, you know, but I feel like, like, like Jay said, like just staying true to you and, you know, staying rooted in what you're doing, like people will come along, people will win, you know, because like if you're, if you're putting in the hours of, you know, you're putting in the time and you have a good group around you that's pushing each other and that's, you know, forcing each other to, to be better, to be more creative, you know, just to be better stewards of what they're doing, then you have, you have a, a, an opportunity to do something special, you know, and it could be something that is only special in your neighborhood, or it could be something that's special globally, you know, but um, I think you, you realizing that it is special to you um, is, is what's important. And then from there, you can make, you know, like I said, like, I'm not a genius. Like, I don't, I'm not an oracle. Like, I didn't have this grand foresight, you know, for this empire of of partying and debauchery. But I, I, I listened, you know, I believed, you know, I believed in what we were doing. And uh, I believed in the people that I was doing it with. 
and um, that that's gotten me this far and will continue to, you know, get, get me further. So I think it's that it, it, it's those things. And I, I, I think like this, as cliche as it is, my, my best advice is just to stay true to, to what you're doing, to, to what you believe. And as long as that shit is special to you, it's special. For sure. I mean, shit, it, it's cliche for a reason. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A couple of minutes ago, you were talking about switching gears j- just a little bit, but kind of shifting culture potentially in a different yep. way. You know, you mentioned the move to doing more of the graphics centered around, you know, classic album covers. And, yep. you know, you guys are a part of hip hop culture. Is there a plan yep. for you guys down the road to help shine a light on some up and coming talent as well? I mean, you guys have definitely done it with you know, Austin as, as kind of yep. a resident DJ and his career's taken off. Are you guys looking to do that in other ways as well going forward? We are. Um, I think for, for us, we, we realize now the responsibility that we carry and us being kind of, you know, like this groundbreaking act of sorts, it's kind of our, our duty to, um, to pull as we climb. And, I think that serves us best in areas of interest like a music, you know, and for us, we've always, we've never hesitated to put artists on our stage. Like granted, we love to get the Rick Rosses of the world, you know, the, um, the Pusha T's, the Wale's, we love to have those guys on our stage, but I want to say in our history, we've put like, we were probably the, at the time, the biggest show to put, um, to put like Dave East on our stage when Dave East was just like straight up rap, rap mixtape. We put Dave East in front of 3,200 people at Webster hall. You know, we put, um, we just, we put party. I mean, you know, party parties about to blow up, but before, before that we put party on our stage, you know, in front of 6,000 people in Brooklyn Mirage. So for us, it's like, I don't know if we're breaking like the brand new act, but I do feel like we're giving those artists who are either like on the cusp or right there, the opportunity to be seen in front of people that they normally wouldn't be seen in front of. And, you know, this is no disrespect to the artists. These are guys who are doing like, you know, the SOB shows of the world and like just packing out the, you know, the, the 400 to 700 range places. We're actually giving them a platform of thousands, you know, and introducing and introducing New York to their music or introducing LA to this to this new artist and i feel like for us that's something that we want to continue to do and continue just like you know to build that platform and like because as the platform of duce palooza grows i do feel like it is our responsibility to provide that space for artists you know and even to the point of like breaking in new talent dj wise like i have like just you know several other events that i'm doing where i'm putting on just young DJs. Like, I think I, I sent a tweet out maybe two months ago, like who are the best DJs in New York? And, you know, obviously you send out something like that, you're going to get 75 different answers. And, but what that allowed me to do was just kind of identify talent that I didn't even know was out there. And, you know, I've been able to put them on to certain bills and to certain places. And now, um, and now just being able to work with them and just like, kind of watch them, you know, grow their own brand and, and build and build their names up that's just so satisfying to me because, you know, for them, you know, for me, it's nothing. Like I said, like, like I was saying earlier, it was just like somebody like Jay, that's 15 seconds of his time. For me, that was a, a tweet, but for other people, they're looking at it as just like, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime. Like this is a breakthrough for them in their career. 
And so I get, I get just like supreme satisfaction out of things like that and don't ever want like things like that to ever not happen for us because like there was really kind of no one to like usher us through those phases. So I feel like we need to be doing that for other people. And, and in the spirit of doing that, um, in ushering through and raising people, you know, lifting as you climb and as, mm-hmm. as you move through, you become more and more of a teacher. But the thing mm-hmm. that I've always appreciated and, and loved about you is that you're a student throughout. Like yes. we've had meals and exchanges where you're teaching as much as you're learning. And I find myself just like, I find myself watching as you listen and then just like being on the other end, like it's a true exchange. Um, and like yeah. certainly giving that to Twitter, like it, it's remarkable to like, to throw it out there to, and then, but to listen to Twitter as well as they, you know, get feedback on the party and whatnot. And you, as you move through and as you give and receive advice, is there a piece of advice that you give to people within the entertainment industry that you rarely see them implement? Because I think usually you expect people to heed advice when they can see that you've been through and certainly Mm -hmm. enough of your journey is public enough to where, you know, it it might behoove people to listen and you say, you know, I know what I'm like, here's proof that I know what I'm talking about. But is there a piece of advice, like one consistent piece or any advice that you give that, um, you know, that, that you don't see them follow that just kind of gets to you as you like. Yeah. I mean, I, I preach and it's so funny that it's me preaching this. If anyone has known me like <laughs> for any earlier parts of my life, I preach patience. And um, I think because of the way the world is constructed now and the way things are consumed, the way that, you know, people just want instant gratification for everything and because they see those things, right, they see your story, like, you know, someone would look at you, Jamal, and think that, you know, you're an overnight success. You know, you just started popping this year, not knowing that you, you know, you have 20 plus years in, in doing right. what, in doing what you've done. You know? Don't make me that old. Don't make me that old. Well, I'm, 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 I'm giving you your time in college and everything else as well. So, <laughs> okay, sure. Thank you. Thank you. It's time in elementary school where I promoted a show one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, even... Even someone like even someone like myself, right? People will think that you know I kind of just caught caught this break, and you know I kind of struck gold with it, which in a sense I did. But like I've been doing, you know, I've been doing events and parties and learning the business since I was seventeen years old. So I've been basically doing this half of my life, you know. And you struck gold with this, but there's a lot of times where you didn't like. There's plenty of times that we've been at joints where it was just us exactly. buying drinks. Like there's plenty of times exactly. where like. Yeah. But all they see are the times where there was a full audience. Exactly. And it's like, I think, so I always, I preach patience within the process. And I think people have just lost sight of the process and people just want result, 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 result. Like, man, I've been working out for two weeks. Where are my abs? It's like, you should be working out to feel better, you know, not to get abs. Mm. And I feel like, so with, with the patience piece, you know, you preach it and people receive it because it's coming from you, right? They view you as successful. They look up to you. So they'll listen for a time being, but I don't think people really understand what true patience is. So they don't, they don't exercise it. Like, it's just like, yo, man, I've been waiting. I've been waiting on this opportunity for six months. It's like, okay, you might have to wait on it for 18 months. <laughs> like, or that just might right. not even be the opportunity for you. Or for and, six years. Like, 
Yeah, it, it could be six years. It could be, it could be, you don't know. So patience is not really necessarily associated to a time. I waited X amount of time for this. I think it's more so how you live within the process. And by having patience, you'll discover so many other things on that road that are useful that the result won't even be the biggest thing you get out of it. And I think that's the thing that people just lose sight of, especially nowadays. And I, I sound like the, the old the old guy, get off my lawn, but patience was forced on me. So yeah, I, you know, you know, yeah. I, and I was gonna say, like, I, I think um, it, it's not even it's not even like the sounding like the the old guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, like you alluded to. But I think it's it's more so just our generation was the one that grew up without the internet, and then we grew mm-hmm. up with the internet. So we mm-hmm. understand how both of these things work. So we're like, there are times when we turn off the internet and we're like, oh my God, like, okay, I, I remember what this was like before, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. that's where that patience piece comes from, you know? Like, you really need to think about that and like, you don't need to be on Facebook. You don't need to be on Instagram constantly. You have to like take audit of what you're doing with your time and say, okay, does this really make sense for me to be here? What am I getting out of this? When you can start to eliminate those things, it's, you know, your, your, whatever your, whatever field you're working in, the process Mm -hmm. starts to slow down and then things become easier. It's just like, you know, Mm -hmm. playing ball in, in high school and going to college or college going to the pros. You always see in that first year, like for me, when I went from high school to college, I was like, oh shit, the game slowed down so much for me. And I was able to grow exponentially because of that. And I think those, you know, just like you said, it's, it's hard to do, but if you can do it, it's, you're able to really master your, a lot of things in your life and you may find yeah. that, um, you know, there's another avenue that you can take. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think um, a lot of people too. Yeah. Just this era, man, it's, it's so different. Um, I think we're, like you said, Murph, we're just the last two. I remember what life was like without the internet. And I, I think what the internet has done is it, it, it's done a great deal of good it's a great sure. deal of bad, you know, as, as, as anything as polarizing as the internet is, you know, I think like a lot of times too, what we see that hinders the patients as well is just like the need to compare, you know, and, and, you know, you, you, you're looking like, I only compare myself to my peers um, for motivation, you know, and that was something I had to learn. Like if I see someone, you know, accomplish something or like, you know, Jamal announced something or someone else, like, you know, I got, I did this, I did that. Like, that's just inspiring to me where it's not like, oh man, he, he, he got that. And then I'm sitting there racking my brain for two hours. I mean, how did he get that? Like, man, he doesn't deserve that. Whereas it's like, oh man, like that's dope. Like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> you know, I need to get on my shit. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, 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 that's another hindrance of the patients is just like the internet has just made it like, like, it's just like comparison. Well, one comparison is the thief of joy. My mother told me that when I was a child, but wow. now it's like, man, like why? Like, it's just, because now you see everyone's success, right? You don't see anyone's failure. Right. You see right. everyone's success. And you're just like, man, I, 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 need, I, I need to be doing that stuff too. And you know, like for me, like I said, it's, it's motivational, but for others, they just look at it as like, you know, it, it's an envy thing and it sucks. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's that or it's it's uh, 
like an anxiety thing, you know, the, the mm-hmm. stress of like always comparing what you're doing to somebody else, man, that like, there's a reason that mental health issues are on the rise. It's be, you know, that's one of the downsides, you know, obviously there's a whole bunch of other research and it's just, we now know more, but like one of the contributing factors is just that it's the internet. The yeah. internet is, you know, your, your, when we were kids, it's like your high school just like amplified. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's got the cool thing and they got the cool shit. And then you just want that. And if you don't stop mm-hmm. and say, okay, whoa, 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 why do I want that? Is that what I really value? Mm-hmm. Do I even give a shit about that? You can easily mm-hmm. get caught up in the mix. So I, I don't even think it's like the old man shit. I think it's just like, uh, you know, us being a bit more wise and trying to share that knowledge. Yep. Be like, Yo, I'm telling you, just like take a beat, you know, like use it as a tool. Don't let it consume you. Yeah, 100%. 100%. For sure. But um, cool, man. Uh, you know, appreciate the talk. I, I think we got we got a lot here. As we wind down, we we tend to ask everybody this this final question. Um, you know, and, and we, How do we, we get on just the list for spoke paper about paper? it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, the final that, question. That, so, yeah, we ask yeah, everyone. That's, <laughs> that's always the final question. Is <laughs> Cam your bro? And can you hold her down? That's the that is the one. <laughs> It's like Jerry Springer's last thought. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but the actual um, final question, Murph. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good, man. You're good. Um, but yeah, what, what is something that you failed at professionally that you've since been able to overcome? You know, we to to your point, we don't often see a lot of people's failures because you know they don't want to share that part of it. So we kind of want to peel back the curtain a little bit. And I mean, mm-hmm. you talked about some of them here, but is there one thing in particular that you failed at early on in your career, outside of patience, like we just mentioned? But mm-hmm. something something else that you failed at that you were like you knew that you wanted to get better at, and you you know since been able to overcome that. Organization, um, mm-hmm. I, I was. I was terrible at just organization, um, which has actually been the cause of me losing jobs um, just because I wasn't organized. Um, And I think, you know, even on the, on the, on the back, the back end of that was also an accountability for that organization because I've, I always felt like, you know, I was, I was super talented. I was super smart. I was super creative. Like I got kind of like, you know, figure my way out of things, but not knowing how much I was cheating myself by just not being organized. And, um, you know, I, I think for me, um, I had to have one of those very hard conversations with myself. Um, and this is while I've been, you know, working on my own, just like, man, you're really fucking unorganized. And it's, it's not only because, you know, before, like, yeah, it might have cost me a job, you know, here, which was, you know, detrimental at the time. But even in running my own business, it's actually physically cost me money. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's cost, it's, it's cost me business. And I'm, I've, I've had to take that hard look in the mirror and just be like, man, that's unacceptable like, to be unorganized. So, um, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of steps into, um, into improving that, um, I've, you know, I've worked with like, you know, my assistant, I have, um, you know, an OCD girlfriend who um, just helps, helps me out with um, my organization. But it's something that I think for me, I had to prioritize, um, you know, over, you know, the creativity, the good ideas and, you know, the good conversations more so like, man, I need to be organized walking into all of this shit. 
and not not just you know be like kind of freewheeling it you know and kind of just like you know flying by the seat of my pants so that's been something that i've i've made a dedicated effort to um to improving and it's worked you know and yeah. I'm, I'm only getting better at it I was going to say, I mean, it definitely shows, you know, because you yeah. see that growth and that success and, and that's part of it. And the only way you're going to be able to succeed in running your own business is to be able to take yep. those hard looks at yourself and be like, yeah, what am yep. I doing wrong that I can improve on? And if yep. you're able to ask those questions and figure those things out, you start to see success like that because you're like, okay, cool. I got the, I had the, the PDF pitch deck ready to go. When I went into the meeting, the mm-hmm. shit was all organized, all the links were there and boom, boom, boom. And it, you're you're mm-hmm. making it easier for whoever you're trying to do business with to say yes. Yes. Like that yep. that's the goal. How can I make it easy for them to be like, yeah, it's a no brainer. Cool. Exactly. Final question, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what do you what do you have going on um, you know, in, in the upcoming future that you're super excited about? Obviously you mentioned going overseas, so I imagine that's that's probably at the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm I'm just I got a lot of stuff um, that I'm working on. I know that's like what everyone says, but one thing that um, one kind of initiative and focus that I'm really, really excited about um, is I'm in this, this space of wanting to build and nurture community. And um, I'm working on, I'm currently working on a, a, a platform, if you will, that's going to um, unite a community, um, community of influencers, community of creatives, community of just, I, I, for lack of better terms, it's a community of people who are doing shit. And what I want it to do, I want it to be centered around just common goals and just, you know, like common aspirations. So like, right, we have all these super talented, creative, successful people, um, what what would happen if we got them all in the room and just sparked up a conversation about, you know, mental and physical wellness, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, kind of like moderated or guided by, you know, an expert in the field, like what, like what could come of that? Like how much nurturing and like how much growth for people could come from something like that? You know, what happens if we got them all in the same room, and, you know, you're, you're uber successful, but you have no idea how to manage your money. You know, like how, right. like what, what would happen, you know, if we just got those people and not only that, you know, like had someone maybe do like a lecture style, like conversation about it, but then we open up the floor and just start a dialogue about it and then leave folks kind of, you know, on their own for the next hour to, you know, mm-hmm. speak about those things openly. And just like, just knowing how many side conversations that could create and how many just like, you know, how many relationships can be garnered for that? Because a lot of these uber talented people don't even know each other. You know, so it's like, um, it's like, I want to create that, that space of um, community that we, that we just connect. And um, I I don't have like a, an end goal for it, but it's something that I want to start that that I am starting, um, you know, fingers crossed um, within the next four months um, that, you know, you two are invited to it, but it's just, I just want to create that space for us that um, that hasn't yet been created where we can kind of just connect everybody from everywhere and, um, and, you know, really start to, um, to not only have those conversations um, with each other, but start to change those conversations and what those conversations mm-hmm. are, um, are publicly. So that's, um, that's the most exciting thing I'm working on. Other than that, um, I'm just trying to, you know, feed, feed the household and make sure that the, the fucking lights stay on 
over here and that, <laughs> that everything, everything goes over. But no, man, I'm just, I'm just into doing super cool shit for brands. Um, things that are um, connected in culture and kind of just um, being that spokesperson for the culture and making sure that the culture is getting its just due for all of the things that it's creating and responsible for. Yeah, yeah, I can't, can't wait for that invite. I mean, I, I've, yeah. yeah, I think I think that's incredible. Um, you know, Ben, I think that's something needed. I, I've had thoughts doing similar type events yeah. uh, like that in the past. So yeah, all, all about jumping in for that yeah. and that, that sounds super yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, we won't take up too much more of your time. Um, you know, I appreciate you hopping on and, and having this chat. Um, I know everybody's got to get going. They got busy schedules today. So uh, yeah, once again, yeah. appreciate it. And, uh, and yeah, we, we will definitely talk soon. Of course, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Let me know.